Side Moms, I'm your host, Wendy Sparks. Today, my guest is Sheba Coffey, mother of Sydney, Nia, and Amir Coffey, who all play professional basketball. We've got a lot to cover, so sit back and enjoy, and let's bring Sheba onto the show. Sheba, I am so happy that you are on my show. Thank you, thank you for taking the time and teaching us about your wonderful children. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited about being here. So let's talk about your three kids. We have Sydney, Nia, and Amir. So Mm -hmm. what is the age difference between your kids? So they're all two years apart. And that was by design because my youngest brother was seven years older than me. And then my next brother was nine years older than me. I was the baby. And I said, and I always felt like an only child because they were so much older. They didn't want to be, well, one of them didn't want to be bothered with me. And they were almost out of the house and that type of thing. So I, I only, I always felt like an only child. I always had a tons of friends over, but I said, if I ever got married, I wanted to have all of my children close together. And that's exactly what I did. But what I didn't realize was, hmm, I have two in college at the same time. No, I'm I'm sorry, two in diapers at the same time. No problem. But the problem became I was going to have two in in college at the same time. That would be a challenge. And so, yeah, they're all two years apart by design because I didn't want them to experience what I did. I wanted them to grow up together, but it did provide some challenges on on the far end. So you started with two girls. Did you have a boy at the third time? Absolutely. Absolutely. So there were three of us growing up. So I just wanted three. I mean, you just, you just want what you're used to. And so I really, really wanted a boy. And so we went for it. And the funny thing was when we had him, I didn't know we had a boy. Like, first of all, that you go from zero to 10 and I'm running, I'm like epidural and they're like, it's too late. And then I'm passing out from the pain. I'm like, oh my God. So then I'm waking up or whatever that process was, it was painful. And I just knew it was just another girl. As long as the baby was healthy, it was fine. But I really, really wanted a boy, but I just took for granted it was another girl. But the first 30 minutes, I did not know Amir was a boy. I'm sure they told me, but I was out of it. And I just didn't know. And and pleasant surprise, I, we would have been happy with anything. Right. But I was super excited. We finally got the boy. I just didn't know for 30 minutes, although everybody else did. And they told me. <laughs> it just didn't click. Didn't click. That's awesome. <laughs> so now Amir is born and he has two older sisters. So what was that like for him? Oh, my goodness. So Amir is pretty quiet. And he doesn't say a lot about about anything. I call him like a quiet storm or a quiet assassin, but I would, I would venture to say that he hated it. (laughs) (laughs) And I would say that because they always had a bunch of friends over, they were always messing with them. Like it was constant. He was constantly outnumbered. Like 
each of the girls would have maybe two girlfriends over. So then, I mean, there's like six girls around and it's just him. He absolutely hated it. And he was so much of a boy's boy and they were so much of girls' girls. Like it was annoying to no end. So he was like, I gotta have my own friends over. And he absolutely hated it. I mean, he he wanted to be around him, but he didn't. And it just made um, a full house for us all the time because the girls constantly had company. So he had to have company too. So if anybody ever saw us, they'd like, wow, there's a lot of kids at that house. <laughs> so him being the only boy, where did they like girl bully him? I'm sure they had his number on the playground. So actually, I did not want to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they tried to get him to do a whole lot of stuff. And I'm sure he will have selective memory about this as he has selective memory about some things like making him do things and, and playing tricks on him and things of that nature. And he absolutely hated it. And um, no worries, he would get them back. But yeah, yeah, he hated it. He hated it a lot. But then as he got a little bit older, it got a little bit, I don't want to say weird, but the girl's friends would like Amir or think he's cute. He thinks they're gross because they're <laughs> sister's friends. Like it was a hot mess. I'm like, you never knew what was going on, but it was always something funny and something hilarious going on in the house. Wow. So let's talk about basketball now. Did okay. you play growing up? So I did. And so what happened was I grew up in New York and I was like a track star. And I was like, I'm going to go to college on a track scholarship and I'm going to be all of this. Well, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. So <laughs> that did not happen. So I did go to the best school in, in New York. It was August Martin High School. I started there and I was going to be on the track team. Well, my father, he drove the trains in New York and he had drove like 20, I think 23 years. And he decided the plan was to always move to North Carolina where he and my mom were from. And they said, after I finished high school, they would relocate. But then they had this grand idea that I would never come visit them if I had no ties and connections in North Carolina. So they're like, let's go now. Oh my God. So uh, they uprooted me and moved me to North Carolina. And I was devastated. When I say devastated, like you would not believe when we would go back to visit New York, I would run and kiss the house. I literally would kiss the bricks. So now I'm in North Carolina and I'm thinking, okay, well, I don't have any choice. So I'm going to run track. Well, I went from a 2000 student high school to a 200 student high school. They didn't even have a track team. And I was like, oh my God, I'm really going to die. And the only thing they had was basketball and softball. So I had to play. I mean, I was athletic, so I had to play. And I'm not saying I was great at it, but I had I worked at it. And then by my senior year, I was the bomb. I still I wasn't <laughs> going to go on a scholarship anywhere, but I was the bomb by my senior year. So that part was good. And let's not talk about softball because that absolutely was not my strength. So I did I did play, and I have to say my claim to fame was my highest scoring points were 18 points in a game, and I started the whole time I was there. Oh, there I, you I, go. I can <laughs> so I'd like to say I passed the baton to the babies yes yes absolutely so speaking of the babies how was basketball introduced to them and did anyone resist playing oh my goodness oh my goodness should I tell this story so how yes, is it you should. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, 
Well, like I said, there were going to be two in college at the same time. And so forward thinking and looking ahead, we had, it was by design. They were going to play basketball, whether they liked it or not. We hoped that they would, but that's what was going to happen. We had more basketballs than any basketball manufacturer could produce. (laughs) They're in the living room. They're in the dining room. They're in the kitchen. They're in the car. They're in the bedroom. They're in the hallway. You are going to trip, break an ankle, twist the ankle, (laughs) something. You're going to be in the bathroom looking at a basketball. Like it was by design, like total immersion. It was crazy. And then if you're just sitting around, you're just rolling a ball to each other or you're bouncing a ball or you're working on your handles, you're doing something naturally and organically that you had never planned. And so their dad played in high school and their dad played in college and, and played a year in the in the uh, NBA as well as overseas. And it was the plan that they were going to go to college on a scholarship. So we're not paying for it. Absolutely. <laughs> and then after that, they would never have to play again. Well, ironically, Sydney is just a girly girl. All she cares about is fashion. She can dress you. She can dress me, a guy, any occasion. She can put together some stuff that'll blow your mind. And you're like, wow, I didn't even know that worked together. But she was not feeling basketball. And you're not going to mess up her hair and all that stuff. Anywho, <laughs> she did not have a choice. She was going to play. And so she picked it up around fourth or fifth grade. And they were, luckily, they're very athletic. And so it was fine. It wasn't her passion, but it was fine. And then it got to the point where she technically didn't want to play, but she didn't have any choice because she had enthusiastic supporting parents that would not let you quit no matter what. Like you can quit after your last game in college, but that's it. (laughs) That's what's going to happen. And so what happened was we always knew that she was like a fashionista. So I started researching colleges that offered a fashion major, but also had basketball there was Cornell, which is Ivy League, and that wasn't going to work. They don't really do scholarships. That doesn't work. And then Marist in New York. But the, the cool thing was she always wanted to go to New York because that's the fashion capital. That's where she had to be. So Marist was like, it offered a fashion major and it was in New York and they were interested. So of course, a couple of emails, a couple of phone calls, a couple of everything, and it worked out. And so I would say Sydney played the whole time reluctantly, but she did so good at it, which I didn't understand. I'm like, how can you be so good at something you're not that crazy about? And while I didn't care about figuring out all of that, it didn't matter because she was going to play through college and then she could quit. But then she called at the end of college and she grew and matured. She started the whole time she was there. She had some great games. She was the leading scorer. She had so many accolades that she had achieved while she was in college. At the end of college, she called and said, mom, would you be mad at me if I played professionally? I was like, what? Like, what the, what just happened? I was like, okay, where's my daughter? Because she's been abducted. <laughs> Who's this, this is- child? Yeah, I'm like, who are you? She's and the she kid said, that scored 38 points in her senior year. That's who she is, mom. <laughs> okay, but that wasn't, she She was the last one that I should ever hear that from. I was completely shocked. You know how you think you know your children? That threw me for a loop. And so I was like, oh my God. I said, listen, baby. I said, you did what you had to do. Now you get to do what you want to do. So if that's what you want to do, like I'm cheering for you. I don't care where you go. And I'm going to be on the next plane smoking to wherever, cheering louder than any other mom in the whole country. 
And that's exactly what happened. So yeah, she was the one who resisted it the most. She was the one that had the most challenges with it. And Nia loved it. She was just a beast and she just loved it. And then Amir, since like he fell out of the womb, um, he loved it. And I, I have to share this story. They went to go visit their grandparents and they were really little. Amir was still in Pampers. He really was. And my mom called and was like, Sheba, Amir will not stop crying. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, he's not a crier. I don't know what's going on with that. But I was like, you know what? No problem. Just ask him if he wants to play one-on-one. -on -one. She was like, what? My mom's not into sports. I said, don't even worry about it. Just ask him if he wants to play one-on-one. -on -one. And then she was like, do you want to play one-on-one? -on -one? He was like, yes. And <laughs> stopped. He stopped. It was magical, miraculous. I don't care where he was, what he was doing. If he was in the middle of a cry and it could be an ugly cry or I don't care what was going on. If you ask him, do you want to play one-on-one? -on -one? Instantly stopped, instantly fine. And he didn't even realize that you didn't play one-on-one -on -one with him. Like sometimes he, <laughs> we would actually do it, but like my mom, she didn't even have a clue what that was. So she didn't do it, but that just stopped him in his tracks. And that was the only thing that mattered. Right, so right. your mom knew karate. Yes, she did. That would work too. <laughs> By any means necessary, he's going to stop crying. Yay. <laughs> she was like, listen, don't let me use this on you. I'm supposed to be practicing discipline. So, <laughs> right. so That's tell right. me, with a household full of basketball players, yeah. what was it like at the dinner table? Did you always talk basketball? You know what? We didn't start out, but we would always end up like that. And so... <laughs> Okay, so I was, I'm big on nutrition. I'm big on cooking home-cooked meals. And so we would always have salad. We always had to have the vegetable, the meat, and the starch, and all that. So we're sitting at the dinner table. It was my favorite time. It was, oh my God, it was my favorite time. And it was always super late because we would get home late and it, because they lived far from school. And then by the time you get home, it was after practice, we kept this big right. dinner. So the, the routine was, what is your high and what is your low? So we'd start with each child. What was your high? What was your low? And they would tell us what the high was and what the low was for the day for each of the kids. And then it would always gravitate towards some competitive something. And somehow, you know, the funny thing is, I would say all three of them are sort of shy, but with each other, there is no shyness. So Sydney would be like, I'm the best free throw shooter in the house. And then Nia would be like, you crazy. I'm the best everything in the house. And then Amir's looking at them like, I'm not going to say anything, but let's take this outside. <laughs> and so the whole thing was crazy because they were two years older than him. They were bigger than him. This started like just way young. And so the girls would try to get the best of them. I promise you, Amir would be like, I don't remember that, but he has selective memory. <laughs> and so they would get the best of them. They were taller than they could block him because he was shorter because he was tiny when he was little. And so, but the girls quickly realized he must have ate fertilizer or something. He <laughs> shot up overnight. The girls retired from playing Amir while they were single digit ages because he was coming for them and they weren't going out like that. They knew better. They knew when not to play him ever again. He was thinking and about so, all the playground times, right? When they used to bully him. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so they all went to Hopkins high school in Minnetonka, Minnesota. So tell yeah. us about their time there. Oh my goodness. That literally was an amazing time. And I didn't realize at the moment, I thought it was just, 
our normal, but I didn't realize they were in an amazing girls program and Amir was in an amazing boys program. And when I say amazing, the coaching was outstanding. The head coaches on both sides and the head coaches would win all these accolades, but it was, it's not about winning the accolades. They were teaching coaches and they would, they would spend so much time and be so in depth and make sure you get it right. They were sticklers. And so you learn phenomenal habits and you were trained well and they had plays. I was like, oh my goodness, Sydney had more plays and had more training than she did in college. She was so ready. All three of them were so ready when they went to college because of that training, it was outstanding. And, and it was a full program besides the basketball training itself, besides the high level competition, you had uh, pasta parties where the night before every game, like each of the parents would cook for the entire team for the varsity. You had fundraisers. So you're working the clock or I'm, I'm um, at the admissions table. Like there were so many different things and fundraisers and moving pieces you had to do to support the team. I loved every minute of it, but that made me busy eight days a week. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> crazy and there was never any days off and if Amir wasn't playing Sydney and Nia were playing luckily Sydney and Nia played together and then they would have away games and all this stuff and then oh my god when AAU started they'd be in three different states at the same time but they had a phenomenal phenomenal high school career and the games were so energetic and the boys games were so packed I absolutely loved it. They would have the student section. And before we, we were always highly ranked. So before the games actually started, the kids are yelling, this game's over. And they have the beat going, this game's over. And everybody's jumping up and it was crazy. It was almost like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the Duke environment in the, in the gym with the crazies. It was almost like that. They'd have face paint, they'd have all this stuff. It would be so, so, so exciting. And then on the girls side, the girls games would be packed because once again, we're always like number one in the state. So everybody's coming for us. They either supporting us or they're against us, but it's packed. And it was just super, super, super exciting. So I absolutely loved it. And I probably was the loudest mom in the entire <laughs> state. And I'm sure some of the other moms would be like, oh my God, like <laughs> and the kids, they didn't even notice it because they're like used to it from forever. So it was phenomenal. I remember one time I got so wrapped up into it I think I found myself on the court but shh, don't tell nobody I was like I don't even know how to happen because I leaped out of the bleachers and I don't know what happened I don't know if I didn't like the call a little bit or if somebody knocked one of my babies out I don't know what happened but I got all the way to the court maybe three steps on before I realized and then I stepped back and yeah Oh my God, you know, I have to go uh, watch a game together in the future, but we'll talk about that later. Oh my God. I mean, we were texting the other night, but no, we got to do this in person, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> I stick with high school for now. <laughs> it yeah, seems okay. like you all went to Hopkins, not just the kids, right? Because <laughs> everybody yes, was involved. <laughs> yes. It was so crazy and they were so well known. The superintendent would call. It wasn't a diverse school. So the superintendent would call and say, hey, we're having a meeting. You know, can you get some parents? And I was like, absolutely. Consider it done. What time? Or the, the teachers would call me and they would be like, can you chaperone, you know, this or that? I'm like, absolutely. I knew everybody or I should say everybody knew me. I was just going to say <laughs> 
Yeah. And so, but if it was a fundraiser, I'm in. If you needed me at a meeting, I'm in. If you needed me to get some parents real quick, you could count on me. Like we were just known for everything. And it, it was a positive experience. But that does make a big um a big difference for your kids too, right? You know what I mean? Yes. When, when everybody's involved. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. so much so, I don't know if this should be a secret. Well, this, the, the, the secret's out now. We literally, literally had a key to the gym. So the, the school was connected to a community center. So we shared the same gym facilities and we literally, literally had a key to the gym. And so you go to, to practice before practice start, you stay after it's over. Like we're there Saturdays, Sundays, if you're, if you're off, there are no off days, but you find like eight days a week to be in the gym. And there is no excuse because we literally had a key. So they were like, I think it was six courts. And then the back there was two. We can always get in the back door. The girls and Amir were always working on their skill set, always, whether they wanted to or not. Well. Well, yeah, they had to work out <laughs> for that scholarship, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So your girls played together, as you said, um, mm -hmm. and together they experienced two state championships. And then Nia went on for a third uh, state championship, which is yeah. awesome. Um, what was it like for you as a mom to see your girls dominate together on the court? That was super exciting. I'm just like beaming with pride because they work really hard. And Sydney, I mean, it wasn't Sydney's passion, but whatever she committed to, she would do it to the best of her ability. And just to see them both have success simultaneously and together was so exciting for me. And I loved it because Sydney was like a finesse player. Like she's a guard and she's just gonna handle the rock and she's gonna get you the ball. And then Nia was like a, a power player. And so it was, it was great to see the different dynamic and see how they played with each other and how they communicated. And it, it was really, really good. They were mega successful and they played off of each other's strengths and they could read each other really well, but they played well with other people, with all the other teammates and everybody loved to play with them. Right. They just did. I mean, not the competition, yeah. but their, <laughs> their teammates loved to play with them. And so it was so much fun. Like it was a lot of fun. I would sneak out of work. I'm like, I'm not missing this game. I'm a cold cook early and then I'm gonna make it to the game, whatever it takes. It was amazing. And then you'd read about them in the paper the next day. And it was it was a lot of fun. I was so proud of them. Oh, I absolutely love it. And I love your energy. I can only imagine you at games. <laughs> so the oh my God. Yeah, yeah, I can see you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the legacy left by your kids will just live on forever at, uh, at Hopkins. And yes. Paige Becker is yes. the most talked about young lady in basketball right now. She went yeah. to Hopkins and follows both of your daughters on social media. Well, that yeah. shows the type of imprint that both Nia and Sydney made at Hopkins. Yes, Paige is phenomenal. Paige is the truth. Like I would scream for her just like she was one of my kids. She's one of my babies. Yeah. So yeah. yes, phenomenal. <laughs> And I would scream and let the record show. I screamed for all of the players, not just my children. Like, they're like, oh my God, like, what is up with her? I support everybody, everybody, just as loud as I did my children. So I would scream for Paige and everybody else on the team and Amir and everybody else on the team. So, yeah. <laughs> it goes to our conversation we had the other day and you said, or I was saying, oh, I haven't seen Kim in a long time. And you said, girl, just send another mom to Orlando and they'll give him a hug. <laughs> 
I told her. I'm like, I got you. You can't make it. I'd be like, look, this hug is from mom. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is how this works. I'm telling you, I, I'm, I support all the kids. I support the moms. And speaking of moms, before Uber even existed, I had all these kids in my car and I'm driving them around. So I'm the Uber. The mom can't make it. I'm picking this their kid up here and picking them up there and I'm feeding them whatever. So you support the moms, the kids, the dads, everybody. You do whatever, whatever it takes. Yeah, I told him, and I, and he started to laugh. I said, "So if you get a random hug, you just yeah, you just say thank me. you, Miss Coffee." He said, "Okay." <laughs> but it's mom sanctioned. Okay. I'm not just gonna go hugging people. It's mom sanctioned. Yeah, he laughed about it, and he was like, "Wow, that's funny." <laughs> so I love so, it, and Amir be like, "Oh my God, mom," because he knows I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about college recruitment. So how did it differ over the years um, mm-hmm. from Sydney to Amir? It was completely, completely different. So Sydney knew early on, she only wanted to go to college in New York. She really wanted to go or needed to go to Marist for it to be a scholarship. And so she committed to that early. We were pursuing that early and connected with the coaches and that type of thing. So she only got, I think, one scholarship in Colorado and then Marist and there were in, in North Dakota or something like that. First of all, while, while grateful, those other schools didn't matter because they weren't in New York. So it just didn't, right. it just didn't matter. And we had our eyes on the prize, which was Marist College. And so she didn't have a whole lot of recruiters coming after her because she had total tunnel vision. Marist was interested. And as soon as they offered, like she committed, like there's no other conversation, like, like cha-ching, yeah. we have New York, <laughs> we have a great basketball school and they have her major. And so it was completely different. Now for Nia, she honestly, and I wish I knew the number, she honestly had 40 plus division one scholarship offers. And it was amazing. We would get so many letters. It was just amazing. And they were all division one. And then people, the coaches were all coming to her games and watching her games. And they were trying to talk to mom and trying to talk to dad and talking to her coaches. And it was just a lot. It was a lot. And that was a blessing. I was like, oh my God, is this even possible? Nia never, ever, ever read a letter. It was too overwhelming for her. She didn't even really know what was going on, but it was a lot. Like all this mail is ridiculous. We got more mail, you know, it was just a lot. And so she never read a letter. She didn't want to deal with it. And in our minds, basketball is different for girls and boys. So the girls are going to go to an academic school. It just is what it is. And we weren't thinking moving forward about professional possibilities after because they're just technically not there. They don't pay as much or at least not as much as the, the men's side. And so they were going to go to an academic school. So in my mind, I thought, hmm, she's probably going to go to Stanford, I hope, because <laughs> they're recruiting her. A lot of schools are recruiting her. I mean, almost every school in a Big Ten, almost every school in ACC. And there's, it was such it was such a... Um, a humbling and, and I don't know what's the word. Um, it, I, I was just blown away by the interest for Nia, but at the same time, I'm like, it has to be an academic school. It has to be an academic school. So Northwestern was interested. Nia never even heard of Northwestern and we were going to go visit for a weekend and it was homecoming or something. She was like, I don't want to go. And uh, I was like, get in the car. It don't matter what you want to <laughs> do in the car or whatever, because Chicago was only six and a half hours away. We had this plan. This is what's going to happen. So the plan was we were going visit. She falls in love with the players 
apparently she falls in love with the experience and she like commits while we're there. And I was like, what, <laughs> what, like what, what just happened? Cause we're supposed to go visit Stanford in a couple of weeks. So the deal is you get five visits. So we're going to visit all of them. We're going to take notes and we're going to make a decision or she is going to make her decision. Her, she decided just like that. I was like, wait, what? Like, I like the coaches. Listen, and you I told like, her, get oh. in the car. <laughs> I did. And I was kicking my own butt after that. I was like kicking my, I'm, I'm kicking my, well, I'm not kicking my butt now, but it was crazy. And then she happened to love purple and they're purple, but that's besides the point. I was like, oh my God, what just happened? Like, did I? Did I do that? And so that was crazy. And so we never visited Stanford and she committed to Northwestern, but it's a phenomenal academic school. And I made so many games. It was crazy. I was in Chicago every month. I was in New York every month. So that was fine. And then moving forward with Amir, that became just ridiculous. Like, I guess, I guess Nia's experience broke us in, but that became ridiculous. Like, we get letter after letter after letter and phone call after phone call after phone call and the coaches and it was crazy like they wouldn't stop and and I felt like um I felt like first of all I don't trust everybody you can't believe everything you hear and and I almost hate when everybody's telling you how great you are I'm like okay this is a sales pitch and I'm in sales so don't even try you can't sell a salesman you just can't and so it got overwhelming. And so I'm like, oh my God, could you, can, can I just have a break? That's what I'm thinking, but that's a good problem. That's a good problem. So he would get a ton of mail and the high school coaches always call it and, and they're trying to talk to both of the parents and somebody's always in your ear. And so he literally got over 45 division one scholarship offers. And it, it was, it was amazing. So it was exciting because, you know, we didn't know what he was going to pick. And I was like, look, you're not going to do what your sister did. You're not going to go on the first visit and just commit. We're doing all five visits or at least four. So That's you didn't choose we Minnesota doing. right away? Yeah. So here's the plan. Oh. Everybody's like, he's going to go to Minnesota and he's going to follow in his dad's footsteps and he's going to do this and he's going to do I'm like, no, he's not. He's going to decide. And whatever he decides, he decides after multiple visits. Oh my God. I can't tell you. <laughs> And so we end up going on a visit. And, and by the way, there's some coaches, I was like, are you kidding me? And then there's some coaches, I'm like, okay, I really like this guy. Like I'm pulling for this guy. It's all about Amir and the best place for his development, but I'm pulling, pulling for this guy. I don't believe this one. Like it was crazy. And so we go on a visit. We go on all these uh, to University of Minnesota. And let's just say for the record, since Amir was a young child, I thought he was going to go to Miami. I don't know if he liked the colors. I don't know what the deal was, but he liked the ACC. I thought he was going to go to Miami because that was his number one choice. He actually got a scholarship from there, loved the coach. He was a great development coach. And then his first visit was at the University of Minnesota. And I'm like, okay, you do the locker room, you do this. You're so used to being there from all the games because you're, you're technically at home. Amir is a homebody. Here we go again. He loves, loves, loves one of the coaches. And, and, and we do too. And Amir commits, he decides he <laughs> wants to go to Minnesota. And I was like, wait a second. That's okay after we go to on the visits, but 
that's not what happened. So once again, once again, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And I'm like, you did not take some plan. <laughs> so but he and Nia, they spoke that out, man. They planned it. You know, when mom yeah. tells you get in the car, she, you just go ahead and when you get to Minnesota, you sign right there. <laughs> it was it was crazy and that was not supposed to happen but you know what everything works out for the best everything worked out in his favor for both Nia and Amir and Sydney and so it just didn't unfold the way I thought it would right. or the way I thought it should but I'm super happy with you know what they decided and how things worked out for them so after college Sydney yeah. decided to embark in a career overseas yeah. So she had the opportunity to play um, in Australia and then Finland. Yep. So what was that experience like for her? So that was literally amazing because she had grown over the course of college and she realized all of the blessings that and gifts that basketball gave her. She matured so much because I talked about it all the time. I was like, these are transferable life skills. You're learning communication and teamwork and leadership and discipline and all of these kinds of things and, so, and problem solving, all these kinds of things. And she realized, okay, I'm learning all this stuff, but it's also taking me places and I'm able to see the world on somebody else's dime. Who wouldn't want to do that? And Amen. so, and, and the other thing was, I get a chance to get paid to do something that now I actually love. She hated it before, but, and we had to keep that a secret, but now she loves it and she wants to do it. And somebody's going to pay her, let's do it. And then the icing on the cake was the, the team that she went to in Australia also signed her, one of her college teammates, Tori. So now she's playing with a teammate wow. overseas. So it was a phenomenal experience. It was really good for her and she was ready for it. And she had a successful, positive experience there. It was a little different, you know, driving on, on from the passenger side yeah. and driving on the other side of the road and that type of thing, but everything else was good. It was good. So Nia, she chose the WNBA route to the pros. So yeah. walk us through the WNBA draft process. Take us to the draft day, start to finish. Oh my goodness. So good question. So first of all, I didn't even realize that was a thing that was going to happen. Because once again, you're not thinking of professional basketball for the girls mm. beyond college. You're like free school. Yay, we're done. Yeah. And so... Um, what happened? So agents are calling her coach and agents are calling her parents and that type of thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, like what's happening? Like, this is a possibility. And she was a beast in, um, in college. And I just didn't think it was going to go beyond that. But anyway, somebody saw things differently and saw a vision I couldn't see. And they were talking about she get drafted and I'm taking this all in and I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen and all this stuff. And so we go to the draft in New York and everything pretty much unfolds the way we think it will. Kelsey Plum goes first. That's one of her friends. I mean, it's a small basketball community. You right. play against each other so many different times, you become friends. And then other people, you don't know where they're going to fall, but you know, they're going to fall. You don't know where you're going to fall. It's exciting. And she comes up number five. She is so nervous. She's just nervous about everything. And she's nervous about the seating arrangements. And she's like, oh my God, you sit here. And I, and I don't want to talk to anybody. And I don't want anybody to see me sweat and all this stuff. And you sit here and you sit here and you sit over here. And it was crazy. It was crazy. And we all were, I don't want to say freaking out. I'd like to say I was cool, calm, and collective. But our hearts was like, <laughs> like where's she going? Where's she going? What's going to happen? 
and and she got picked by the San Antonio um was it stars stars some, yeah yes yeah, and so we were just so super excited and overwhelmed and and for the first time me was like oh my god like you know what it means but you don't know how you fit like she was a dominant force in college she started all four years they super sucked the first two years Shh, don't tell <laughs> they super sucked there was nowhere to go but up the last two years they were amazing and then she gets this opportunity to go to the next level and all of these girls are mind-blowing phenomenal it's like oh my god where do I fit in but the deal was she's like six two and technically, I guess you could be, should be a guard at that height, but she's a power player, but the power players in, in the league are like six, five or taller. So it's like, where do I fit? She had to make a, an adjustment and it was like, wow, wow, wow. So it was a huge adjustment from somebody wanting her and her being drafted and then finding out where do I fit? How do I add value? How do I contribute? Like, what do I do? What's my new role? Cause I'm not the dominant beast that I was a couple of years ago. Right. That's right. Now she's playing at a different level. Yes. Not yes. the same, eh? It's, it's, it's like a, sometimes it's like a shell shocking when you're going from high school to college and then college to pros, is right? It's yes. not the, like I said, it's not the same beast. Not at all. No. Not at all. And at the, and I would say Nia is an extremely confident player and you go from being a confident player to, oh my God, where do I fit? How do I fit? What do I do? Right. And, and that was foreign territory for her. And that was very, very uncomfortable for her. It was a difficult adjustment. Yeah, I can imagine. So she's been in the league um, five years. So she um, got drafted fifth overall to the San Antonio Stars, which later moved to Las Vegas and became the Aces. Absolutely. Then she was traded to Atlanta. Of which, to, she, yeah. of which she cried hysterically. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell nobody. No, no, I I promise. And then she traded. Then she was traded to the Mercury. So let's talk about her movement within the NBA in such a short span of time. And how did she adjust? So I think that's still an adjustment. So like you said, she was drafted and then and went to San Antonio. And it was a huge adjustment. Like, what do I do? How do I fit in all that? And the whole team moved to, to Vegas. And so she's still going through that same transition, but everything's intact and she's looking forward. And it's all about basketball and you're not thinking about business. And right. so she's looking forward to, I'm going to be in Vegas. I'm going to do well. I'm going to buy a house here and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, she'll get in some games and she'll do well. And then she'll get in some games and she won't do well. And then she'll start some games and then all of a sudden no playing time. It was like a roller coaster adjustment of how do I fit? How do I contribute? And it was just an adjustment, a roller coaster, I would say. Some highs were high, some lows were, were low and not so great. And it made you question your ability, but made you also sharpen your skills instead of constantly working, you know, proving your value and, and, and proving your worth. And so she was going to make a purchase, make a, uh, buy a home in Vegas, and she got traded. And she just cried. It was like a sucker punch to the gut. Yeah. She just She's like, oh my God. And she wasn't thinking business. I'm like, okay, this is business. She's thinking I'm expendable. Yeah. Like they don't want me. Like maybe I don't fit here. Or they don't like me. Whatever it was, it was a sucker punch to the gut. She was devastated. And of course that's supposed to be a secret. Like nobody knows except for her closest friends and family. And you got to act like everything's fine. 
from the outside and she went to Atlanta. Wherever she goes, she gels well with the team and there's a sisterhood and that type of thing and she always contributes, but she was really hurt. And so when she was in Atlanta, I'm not sure she played to the best or, or as, I don't think she played as well as she would like to because it was still an emotional, it was, it was an emotional transition and, and uh, she got along well with the team. And then, and then she finally got over, okay, it's business. Like I can't take it personally, but it took a long time for her to get to that point and realize it's simply business and stop taking it personally. So then by then she had matured and I'm like, everything works out in your favor. Everything works out in your good for your good. So if you work, if you go to Atlanta or wherever you end up, you literally were supposed to be there, whether you're going to learn something or contribute something or a combination of both, it's going to work out. You're supposed to be there for whatever reason. So when she finally got to that on her own, because you can tell somebody that, but they don't get there until they get there. And when she got it traded to the Mercury, she was fine. She was okay with that decision. Like it's, it's business and I'm going to, you know, this team and they have phenomenal players. I'm going to learn a lot. I'm finally settling in. I know my value. I know how I can contribute. They really want me. And no matter what, I'm going to end up where I'm supposed to end up. That's right. And that's, that's the life of a player, right? And it's good that she finally came to terms with that. But you have to go through a maturity, uh, a maturity transition to, to get to that point. And then when she was at the Mercury though, then like the world fell apart. You know, they're, they're born and raised, they're from Minnesota. And so the George Floyd tragedy happened and she was so hurt and so distracted and, and all of these different things and feeling, um, you know, some kind of way about the way everything unfolded and thinking, oh my God, like, how do I help? What do I do? How do I use my platform? Wait a minute, I'm supposed to be playing basketball. That's my job. But I also have to help my community. Like I have to do something to help myself. I have to do the right thing. And she was just so, I don't want to use the word distracted, but overwhelmed, emotionally overwhelmed with what was going on in the world. And let's not forget, we're still in a pandemic. It was, it was a lot of adjusting to do. And so um, she had an interesting time with that and she had an interesting time in the bubble. And when I say she did, it wasn't just her by herself, but she had an interesting time, you know, balancing and, and handling all those kinds of things. Oh, it is a lot to handle. You know what I mean? Especially when you're talking about the whole George Floyd um, incident and, and especially when it's someone within your community. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Like you could see exactly where it happened. You've driven past there yeah, a million you know times. The like, like it, it hit so close to home, literally. It, I mean, it was horrific, yeah. no matter yeah. where you were and in what part of the country or what part of the world, but that hit so close to home. You can almost like feel it because it was almost a connection. And yeah. so that was really, that was really hard. But the Phoenix Mercury were, were awesome about supporting the entire team. Right. And, and, and le- allowing the players to use their platform for good or for speaking out and they supported it and they provided different ways for them to do that. And so the Mercury was, they were awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how excited is she now for the beginning with the LA Sparks? <laughs> you know, she is like, um, she's pretty excited because she and Amir are gonna be in the same yes. 
<laughs> and that all, that has never happened. Like they're always in different states. And at one point they were all in different countries at the same time. And so for them to be in the same state is amazing. It's really exciting. And we don't know how that's gonna unfold, but she's super excited about it. And he's excited about it. And I guess they get to talk junk to each other more in person than over the phone. So. Do you see uh, future roommates? You know what? I don't think so. <laughs> Definitely not. Let's just be clear. Definitely not. Because Nia is the take charge kind of, did you do your homework? And, and Amir's like, I left my mom at home. Yeah. And, and then, like, it's crazy. And then Amir is so laid back, like, I'm quiet, but leave me alone. Yeah. And so definitely won't be roommates. Definitely. <laughs> oh, I love that. Love that. <laughs> Well, I guess for you, it's it'll be easier eventually when the world goes back to normal, where you can go see, you know what I mean. You can go see them both at the same time, right? Yes, yes, I'm super you can go visit. Yeah, yeah. That. Like I, it was crazy before because I would wake up and I'm like, okay, what state am I in? Yep. Or quiet as it's kept, I would sneak out of work. I was like, oh my god, okay, wait. Uh, I'm thinking, okay, Nia has a game or Nia's in Chicago in college. Amir's Minnesota team is playing Northwestern. I'm sneaking out of work. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I'm going to make it to the game and I get to see Nia, but watch Amir and then turn around at the game and then drive back and make it to work one time the next day because I'm not taking a day off because I need my days to travel when they're out of state. And then I'd make it to New York. I don't care where they were playing. They're like, mom, we got a game on, on Mars. I'm there. That's we got right. a game on the moon. I'm there. It was crazy. The amount of games I made it to, I would wake up and I'm like, oh my God, what state am I in? So yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> But now I'll be like, okay, I'm in California. Like I know where I am. That'll be the first time in a long time where yeah. I, I might not be a little confused about where I am. Well, I guess you're in California, not running uh, around in the snow like you had to do in Minnesota, right? So <laughs> going from game to game. Snow and ice and all that stuff. I yeah. just needed some skis or yeah. something. <laughs> the weather there was terrific. And the funny part about that is they never close school. I don't care if it's 30 below zero or whatever. They're not, they closed school when it was 50 below. That was a couple years ago. But if it's like 30 below, you're going to school. The games are not canceled. Everything is happening. It doesn't matter. Like that's normal. Get over it. Yeah. 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 Listen, I come from Montreal, Quebec. Okay. So, so oh my God. So, so yeah. Mm -mm. yeah. I, I don't think the city ever, ever, we would get like 40 centimeters of snow and we were climbing over snow banks looking After for the bus stop. We knew yeah, it was in that vicinity, but whatever. Exactly. <laughs> and you couldn't like be late. So <laughs> that is absolutely crazy. So you definitely know. <laughs> oh yeah. So your girls enter the professional basketball world differently. So does Sydney have the same access to agents and other opportunities as Nia, who took the WNBA route? No. So Sydney got connected or contacted her agent. I'm sorry, her coach. And, and, and they tried to connect with her too directly, just a couple of agents. It was on a, it was a small scale and she had two or three that she talked to and then decided which one she liked and which one she was going to sign with. And it was very low key. It like, it was yeah. very quiet. And on the flip side for Nia, it was like gangbusters because they were, she had, I don't know if she had more exposure I don't know. I don't know. They both played an NCAA attorney, but it was different for Nia. She had a lot more people connecting with her right. 
and a lot more people uh, call in the coaches and things of that nature trying to sign her. So for Amir, he decided to declare for the draft in 2019. What were the Mm -hmm. expectations? Oh my goodness. Okay, so he had decided he was going to declare for the draft. And I think everybody was saying, no, don't do it. Stay another year. No, don't do it. So Amir is probably his mother's son and he does what he wants to do no matter what everybody says. And so he decided in his mind, I'm going to do it and I'm going to make this work. So I'm scared to death because he had a phenomenal high school career. It doesn't always translate though from high school to college. It just doesn't. And, um, and, and then from college to the pros, it just doesn't. And so I was scared to death because you have to know what the risks are. If you don't make it, you can't go back to school. Yeah. So now you're, you're paying for school or you're going to go overseas. And knowing my son, he's not that guy. I, I, he, it can work, but he's not that guy. And so I'm like, look, you're putting all your eggs in one basket. You need to know what you're really committing to. And you need to know um, the ramifications. If it doesn't work out, like what's your exit strategy? Like, what are you going to do? If this doesn't work, what's your plan B? And he said something. I hate when they quote me. It's good (laughs) if I use it on them, but they can't you know, put it back on me. And then he was like, I'm not supposed to have a plan B. My plan A is going to work because I have no choice. I got to make it work. I'm like, wait, what? That's what I say, but you can't hit me back with it. And so, so, but, but that said, while I believed in him and you know, while you believe in your son and you want the best for them, your heart is going to break if that doesn't work for them. It just is. And so, he declared for the draft and we talked to some agents and that type of thing. And they said, you know what? He probably won't get drafted. And so you hear it and you may be accepted, but you have a little bit of hope. And so if he gets drafted, it'd probably be late in the second round, that type of thing. And we're like, okay, okay. So we're watching the draft and there's friends and family. You're not going to have a big party because you're not supposed to get drafted, but somehow everybody was there. We're at a hotel and all this stuff. And he had um, some interest from several California teams, about nine teams Mm -hmm. and is winding down and the picks are getting fewer and fewer. And his name is not being called and his name is not being called. And I'm shrinking and I'm shrinking and I'm shrinking and I can feel him but he's not going to show anything. And I, and, and finally the draft is over and his name wasn't called. I wanted to burst out in tears and I'm not a crier. If I'm going to cry, it's going to be in private. I'm not sharing that with everybody, but I wanted to burst out in tears, but of course I'm going to hold it together. He walked out the door of the hotel and he went and just sat in the hall and I walked out there with him and we had no words. I, I, I just said, I know, and I'm rubbing his back and we had no words cause I could feel his hurt and his devastation. And, um, at the end of a long period of no words, I told him he was going to make it work. And he's, he was like, I know mom, I'm going to make it work. And so it was like him against the world. Like nobody wanted him and it felt like nobody saw value in him, but he's going to make it work. And so he went to a bunch of different camps and, and summer league, he had to absolutely kill it to show his value. And he had a phenomenal summer league. And that, that made a difference. 
that made a difference. And he was able to um, get picked up on a two-way. And and I think it honestly, I he'll I don't know if he'll get it or not, but it was a blessing in disguise because sometimes you end up someplace, it might not be the best place for you. And yeah, you may have been drafted, but maybe to the wrong place. Right. He didn't get drafted and he posted um it was like I had to pick up my jersey out of the mud. I thought I was going to cry on that when he posted it on our Instagram. And he's not really into social media a lot where he'll see a lot like that. But that was heartbreaking. But it was a good thing because it made him work harder. He's like, I'm going to prove everybody wrong and I'm going to prove myself right. I am going to kick butt. And that's exactly what he did. And he he did well. And so to speak, he raised his stock in summer league and he did extremely well. And honestly, it's a blessing in disguise. I think that I know for certain, at least for now, I know for certain he ended up in the right place and he may not have been drafted by, um, you know, the right team, but it was a good development team and, and he's doing well there. So he didn't get drafted like every kid would want to, but he ended up in the right place. I love it. I love that story. My son too went undrafted in 2014. So you're sitting here just reminding me of the same experience that I had. And at the end of the day, I was telling my son, look, we're here now. Yes. We're, you're just going to be in the NBA later on in life. Let's just figure out how to get you there. So yes. for Amir, it translated to a few months later. For my son, he went the Europe route. Um, he went to Turkey and Greece. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're both here now. I mean, we just played each other just the other night. So <laughs> I, I know, <laughs> I know that was an interesting night. I have to say, we have to keep that a secret because I didn't, I didn't totally see the game or probably none <laughs> of the game. It's so hard to keep up with. And some of them are so late and you have one eye open and one eye closed and oh my God, it's hard. And then you check it, trying to check the stats and you check it. It, it gets crazy, but yeah, I definitely know, know that feeling. And I love when they play against each other and, and you know, all the people that they kind of grew up playing against right. or playing with, and now you're playing against right, them. It's, right, right. Well, I just laughed because I was like, after talking to you, I was like, I, sh I can't complain about the times that my son plays. You know what I mean? When they go out West, I'm, I'm the first to complain because now for me, the games are at 10 and 11. Right. And I thought right. about it. I'm like, well, well, Sheba, all the games are at 10 or 11 because, they are. yeah. They so. are, but it's fine. I mean, it's a great problem to have. It's like, yeah. hmm, games at 10 or 11 or not being in the NBA. I'll right. take 10 or 11. Yeah, we're, yeah, good. Yeah. we're good. <laughs> I might have to take a power nap before the game, but we're good. And this is so <laughs> funny. You know, when they had the bubble and all this stuff, they were doing virtual seats. The Clippers were doing virtual seats. And so I would wear my clipper red or my clipper blue and all that stuff. And I'd sit in the chair and have the camera on and I'm cheering, I'm doing all this stuff. And the Clippers have been great about engaging the parents and, and all of that. And, but the games were late. I was so tired. I was like clapping, clapping, clapping. And I was like knocked out. And then I didn't realize I fell asleep on national TV. Oh. And then when I woke up, I was like, oh my God. Like, I hope nobody saw that. Nobody saw that. Of course, Amir saw that <laughs> and his teammates saw that and I'm dying laughing. I was like, I hope he doesn't say like, that's my mom or I hope they don't know me or something or whatever. And I'm getting text messages and phone calls like, yeah, I see you sleep on TV. I was so embarrassed. That's the funniest thing <laughs> I have so ever heard from. <laughs> that, that 
was a hot mess. And I was like, okay, I'm going to redeem myself. I haven't fallen asleep since. <laughs> I haven't fallen asleep since on camera. I will take a power nap or something. I'll do some jumping jacks before the game start. I have not fallen asleep. And Amira's like, really, mom? That's what we doing? Oh, <laughs> my God. Don't call anybody. But yeah. <laughs> you funny. are my favorite virtual fan. So. <laughs> Normally, I'm energetic and I'm running around. I'm like, yeah, and don't let them do something good because you know they don't always get, you know, a lot of time as a rookie. And if they, I'm jumping around and I'm running around and I'm doing all this stuff, and then to the extreme, I'm asleep. But I only did that once. All right. <laughs> it's all you needed to do was one time. So, <laughs> That's so Shiva, a lot of people do not understand what it takes to become a professional athlete. Clearly, though, your family knows as you have your kids have played um, on all the platforms, you know, WNBA, yeah. the NBA overseas, etc. So what is one thing you think people do not see that it uh, takes in the preparation of becoming a professional athlete? Oh, my goodness. That's a that's a loaded question, because first of all, to become a professional athlete, it almost doesn't have anything to do with athletics it does but academics is the yeah. base of that yeah. because if you're not academically qualified you are not playing end of discussion so you have to maintain your grades in school at the high school level and be and before that and at the college level so let's be clear on that so that's the number one thing and the other thing is that people don't really pay attention to because they just pay attention to the games and the highlights is health mm -hmm. and nutrition you have to eat well you have to take care of your body and maintain your body and, and hydrate and do all of those kinds of things, you know, for your body, for your body to be able to perform at that such high level. And then once you get to the basketball piece of it, oh my God, first of all, there are no days off. Yeah. You're working with coaches, you're working with trainers, you're going to practice before practice, and you're getting up 500 shots before you practice, you're staying after practice, you're staying after games. If you have a day off, which is super, super rare, you're going to the gym anyway, you're going above and beyond just because you have that worth ethic. Right just because that's how you're trained, that just because it's organic and second nature. And also you have to separate yourself from the competition. I don't know the statistics. I used to know I'm down to the number, but there's however many thousands of people playing, there's a minuscule amount of scholarships waiting to happen. And then less than 1% make it to the professional league. So you have constantly have to, um, improve your skill set yeah. and and it's constant work it's like no days off period and so you have to have your body in the perfect form in the perfect health you're constantly working no matter what and you have to have the killer mindset like i'm doing yes. this no matter what your mindset is going to get you there your body's going to take you but your mindset has to be there first you have to see the vision for yeah. yourself when nobody else can see it, when nobody can see it, you got to bet on yourself. And when you see that, you work your butt off to make that thing happen. And so you have to have a strong mindset, a strong body, and a killer work ethic. Oh, for sure. So like, and it brings me to what my next question was, uh, or is, um, you were saying that you have to look after your body. Um, yes. But yeah, you also have to look after your mind as well. Um, so when your kids come to you with problems that are affecting their mental health, 
How do you help them through it? And what is one way you advise them on how to overcome it? Right. So, you know, when they come to me with a problem, um, I'm, I'm really blessed because they're mature at this point. And I'm like, first of all, whatever you're experiencing, I let them know is normal. Mm-hmm. And second of all, it's going to work out. We just have to figure out what happens in between. Right. And so acknowledging that you have a problem in, in, in the first uh, place is helpful. And then deciding what we're going to do or deciding who you need, yeah. you know, need a coach to help do you need to talk to i'm making this up a doctor like what do you need whatever expertise you need that's what we're gonna do because you don't know everything and you're human and you need help we all need help so we figure out what the problem is how you're feeling why you're feeling what the solutions are and who is best to provide that solution and we're gonna get through this and I'm going to pray about it and you're going to pray about it and things are going to work out just fine. And we always go through, you know what? I'm sorry that you're going through this or you're experiencing this, but this is happening for a reason. This is a learning opportunity, something that you have to learn and something that is building you up for the next phase or the next step in your life. And maybe this isn't happening to you, it's happening for you to either change you, improve you for the next step in your life and or for you to help somebody else moving forward. So that's how we're gonna look at this. Even if it sucks, even if it feels bad, whatever this thing is, even if it's wrapped in sandpaper, literally is a gift in disguise. You've raised three phenomenal kids. When looking at Sheba, You are this TEDx speaker, event host, award-winning TV host, et cetera. Clearly moms can still have careers while raising athletic kids. Tell us, how were you able to still do Sheba (laughs) and then keep your kids level-headed to be students and athletes at the same time? Well, thank you for asking me that. And honestly, I never really thought about that. So how did I still do Sheba? Okay, so first of all, I'm committed to my family first and foremost. I'm going to be at every game. I'm cooking home-cooked meals. We're not doing McDonald's and all those kinds of things. And it always unfolded. Everything works out in my favor, Wendy. I just, it's, it's hard to explain. When I, when I have positions, somebody called me somebody referred me, something happened, something unfolded for me to be in this leadership position at this time. And maybe while I'm at this leadership position, my employer is a basketball freak. And so if I have to leave or they're like, you know, the game is today, why are you still here? And I'm like, that's right, you know? (laughs) And so I was supported in every way, in every way. And and in my volunteerism, and I was always surrounded by people who loved or understood sports. And so I almost had a lot of help and a lot of support, but I also had my resolve of what I wanted to do. Like when I wanted to do the television, 
nobody was breaking down my door to provide me with an opportunity. So I had to create it along with going to games and cooking the dinner and being the Uber and driving to practice and picking them up and having everybody else's kids. And so I just felt like, if, you know, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And I was always, always in a position where we had help. I mean, it was mom, it was dad, and we just, we just made it happen. And I pursued what I wanted to pursue because the children don't listen to what you say. Yeah. They listen to what you do. That's right. They watch what you do. Yes. And so if I'm telling you, you can't quit and you can't have no excuses, I can't quit and I can't have any excuses. Like I'm going to make something happen. Nobody's breaking down my door. Okay. Create it. You know, if, if I'm doing, if I need to do something, no excuses, go make it happen. And so I would always pursue things I wanted and I would make it happen. But so many times people would gift me with a call. Uh, the TED talk was a call. They were like, hey, we're doing a TED talk in Minnesota. You know everybody, can you get the word out? I'm like, heck yeah, I'll get the word out. I'll help you and I'm applying too. And and so, and then somebody else will call and like, hey, you know, we have a leadership position. We want you to run this. And I'm like, I'm not really interested right now. I just so happen to get laid off. And then they're calling me again. Or I'm like, I'm not interested. They were like, it comes with a company car. And I'm like, I'm not interested. And free gas. I'm like, when do I start? So <laughs> it, free it, gas. <laughs> it just always unfolded. And it just worked out that it was right. um, very supportive of what was going on with my family all the time. You just make it happen. You just make it happen. And then you pick some things too. Like even now I'm a real estate right. agent and I work seven days a week, but it's, it's freedom and it's flexibility. And if one of my kids call or if there's an away game, I'm on the next, I'm in the car right. or I'm on the next, whatever, right. um, going wherever. So you just really, you just you find a way to do what you want to do. You you do what you have to do, but you find a way to do what you want to do. And I've been blessed to Absolutely. be able to do that. So I'll catch games in Israel. I'll catch a game in Australia. I honestly haven't caught a game in California yet, but I did catch a mirror in Philly um, on the road. And so, you know, I'm, I'm catching games in New York. I'm all over the place. So you just you just have to do it. And honestly, Part I of there's life, no right. Yeah, there's nothing more important Absolutely. to me than family. So I, I, I'm like, I just do it. And hopefully the kids are learning something from that and, and making myself proud of myself for, for following. Hey, listen, you got to make yourself proud of you, right? You're not proud of you, then you can't translate onto your kids. So now let's learn some fun facts about Sydney, Mia, and Amir. Okay. So what is that go-to dish that you make that they absolutely love? So I would probably say spaghetti. I would okay. Wait, it's it's hard. It depends on the kids. Yeah. So <laughs> I would say spaghetti for probably Sydney and Mia. I would say steak for Amir, and um, I would say roast for Nia and the homemade macaroni and cheese and candied yams. Oh. I'm just I'm just saying. So yeah. Wow. No vegetables for Amir though. Like he'll eat it if I put it on his plate, but I like gotta open his mouth and I gotta. <laughs> Yeah. So what is one item as a child they could not live without? You cannot say basketball because they had no choice because you had about, what, 50 per bedroom and in the hallways and stuff like that. So do not say basketball. One thing they couldn't live without. That's easy for Amir. What's a toss up? It was video games. He was addicted, but he, don't tell anybody, this is a secret, Wendy. He was addicted to um, Captain Squarepants books. Yeah. And he's always reading that book. All those books, 
even when he's walking around and I'm like, will you stop reading it while you're walking down the stairs? I don't want you falling down the stairs and breaking a leg. So it was between Captain Squarepants books and video games for Amir. I'm pretty sure video games uh, won out. And then for the girls, the one thing, mm, totally different. Okay, so for Sydney, it was fashion, some type of clothes. For Nia, oh my God, it was rocks. Don't tell anybody that. It was, <laughs> it was a little different. I love it. Like, invite her friends over and then play with her rocks and then the friends would play with Sydney and, and Amir so yeah did they have childhood nicknames and if they did what were they no I don't like nicknames so their dad their dad would call Sydney Sid but and um Nia like it's three letters I was really say, how can you... <laughs> yeah. although they tried it in college and that was ridiculous I was like stop okay and then for Amir like they would call him amazing Amir because he was super 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 slender like if you turn him sideways you're like where'd he go like I don't see him like what happened but he was strong and so they would call him amazing Amir for that but no not real not real nicknames <laughs> he was super because he was Captain Underpants so, <laughs> so now we want to ask about that. he's gonna be like oh my god mom I can't believe you told <laughs> Now we want to ask some tips and advice for our listeners. Okay. What mm -hmm. tip would you give a mom who has to deal with a coaching decision that she does not agree with? A coaching decision? Yep. Okay. That is super hard because I've had a lot of those mm -hmm. opportunities, <laughs> a lot of those experiences. But I would always say, don't let this coach um, change you. Yeah. Don't let them be able to control your emotions. They can't make you upset and they can't, they can't make you high and they can't make you low. Do not let somebody control you. You be in charge of whatever that situation is. You take, you be accountable for whatever, you know, mistake you take constructive criticism, cr criticism, no matter how they dish it to you, you turn it into a positive and you use it for your good. And if you absolutely can't stand the coach and you can't stand what they said, use it as motivation to do better, to prove them wrong, to prove yourself right. Yeah. Like don't allow them to take you out of your game. Don't give away your power, period. Because there's gonna be a million coaches that you disagree with. There's nothing you could do about it. How are you gonna use it to your good? Don't let them take you out of your game. Absolutely. And that would be it. Absolutely. Don't let anybody steal your joy. That's right. What advice would you give to a player who has to deal with a tough teammate? Mm. So we've had a lot of that too. So the only thing that you can do is you can't change anybody else. The only thing you can do is deal with yourself. You be the best teammate you can be. And eventually they'll come around, you hope. And if they don't, so what? You did your thing. So for example, if you're a guard, you give them a rock. Not just them, but everybody. You be the best teammate you can be. You always make the best decision for the team and you treat everybody equally. And hopefully they'll mature. Hopefully they'll come around. And if not, I mean, it is what it is. They're not gonna affect your life. You're gonna keep moving forward. We've had a lot of that. We had a lot, whether it's jealousy or just you just don't like somebody or whatever it is, or yeah. why should, let's rewind, they just don't like you. Mm -hmm. Then um, it is what it is. That's their problem, not yours. Yep. yep. Lastly, I would like to ask you if you could only give one piece of advice to another courtside mom, what would yes. it be? To another courtside mom. So that means they're child is already in the pros or just playing period both okay 
So I honestly feel like uh, never let your child quit. I feel like if they quit something that's so easy, then they'll quit every day. They'll quit something every day for the rest of their lives. So don't let them quit. Absolutely. They like, let them get out of their own way. Don't let them quit as you continuously support them. Right. Uh, enthusiastically support them, never let them quit. So I'm, I'm really, I'm gonna make this really quick. The girls didn't realize they didn't have boyfriends until they, they couldn't have a boyfriend until six, uh, 16. And then when they got there, they were so wrapped up in other things, but um, they were so focused on what they were doing and they were so focused on moving forward. They had really full lives and they did stuff and they hung out with friends and that type of thing. But if we had allowed them to quit, I don't want to say what would happen, but some of the girls that did not play with them ended up having children early in high school and that type of thing, or they had boyfriends. And I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. That just wasn't my children's path because they were so focused. Don't let them quit. It teaches so many life lessons. Keep them involved in something positive, but like-minded people and don't let them quit. I love, love your advice, Sheba. You are fantastic. Thank you you so much for coming on Courtside Moms. I loved this time we spent together. (laughs) Thank you so much. I loved it too. You took me down memory lane and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Wendy. You took me down memory lane. So I appreciate that (laughs) and I thank you. And you know what? We're just going to have to watch a a couple more games together in the near future. (laughs) Yes, let's do it. Keep each other awake. (laughs) Don't tell the guys, don't don't tell the guys. I promise I won't. So thanks a lot, Shiba. Thank you. Thank you. It's all in me. Anything you want done, baby, I do it naturally. Whoa, whoa, whoa.